Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be talking about the commercialization of digital services. I'm excited to welcome today to the podcast, Rajat Kakar, who recently transitioned with from a role with Fujitsu to IBM. Rajat, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. So tell us about your history and services and your your recent transition and your current role. Oh, absolutely. Um, so effectively, I've been yeah, started my, my career more or less in Siemens uh, and then was working in Fujitsu, um, you know, running uh, the products group, as a matter of fact. So especially all the PCs and uh, laptops and all these, these fun things that, you know, you can buy and was doing that uh, for, for Europe. Um, ran that for, for several years and um, then about 20, 2012 or so transitioned into services um, and Quintesson has been running services since uh, 2012 and um, just recently transitioned to, uh, to uh, IBM. So that was kind of, yeah, by, by chance, by coincidence, you know, uh, just made it happen and, and here I am. Very cool. And what is your, what is your role with IBM going to be? So one of the things that we're working on in IBM is uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, there's a lot of customers which are global. There are a lot of customers which need support, um, you know, and opportunities which are which are of significant size. And and and, uh, and this is something, you know, that, that I see that uh, IBM is able to make happen and, uh, and realize uh, for these customers. Um, customers are also going into the into the digital journey or the cloud journey. Um, and everybody is, of course, you know, at different levels of this journey. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like a full, full set of portfolio, right? So, I mean, they're going everything from it's, it, IBM is a technology company, you know, if I may. Um, and this is what excites, I think, a lot of people to come to IBM. And this is one of the reasons why I was also excited to look into it. You know, they're, they're, an, ex, they're an exciting company. Their innovations coming from technology, um, you know, the number of patents they file and, and, and every year. Um, and it's a full set of portfolio, everything from, you know, the standard services going all the way into cloud infrastructure, transition, uh, digitalization and so forth. So um, it's it's uh, it's big. Good. Well, I'm excited for you and, and excited to have you here today. Rajat and I met at uh, Field Service Europe in um, December of, of last year, 2019, <laughs> yeah. and we were on a panel together. It, it got a little heated at points and I loved it. Uh, I loved your enthusiasm and the insights that you shared. And, and so I'm happy to have you here today. So we want to talk about some of the some of the topics that came up, one of which is just really a discussion around how much service has changed. So I wanted to ask you how you would summarize the key points of the evolution service has experienced in the last five years. I think, I think um, one, of, one of the things that, that uh, you know, when you look upon services and stuff, you started out with standard break fix services. Um, and then there's multitude of services that are coming out especially if you look into you know the delivery of the services as an example yeah we have augmented reality which is more or less a standard we have remote management remote support um which is more or less a standard now so all of these things um that once were kind of like you know people perceived or even i perceived that was like way out there um these are within the reach and these are deliverables now so this is now more or less coming from a delivery standpoint now where is this stuff going 
um, you know, it's going to go into robots. It's going to go into into automated. Uh, I mean, we're already doing chatbots and so forth. So the automation is going to pick up more and more in this uh, in this direction. If you look from you know the let's say sales standpoint, this has actually helped a lot of the companies out there to create a completely new revenue stream. You know, and and where this is coming from is you have an opportunity to not only say okay. Um, you know, I sold standard services today, but, you know, companies have a lot of data and and, uh, and this data is then able to help them not only provide a better customer service, uh, but also it's enabling them to generate uh, and create new new venues for new revenue streams. Mm-hmm. So I think I think from from this standpoint, you know, if you look into the old PCs uh, or excuse me, the old mainframes and stuff, you know, from from the past. You didn't really buy this, you know, these mainframes. You effectively either rented them, um, and then you you had somebody who would come and repair them uh, if something was going wrong. And if you're more on the higher end, uh, the people simply, you know, also purchased the, the the manpower to to program them, right? And that was more or less also as a service that was an offering that was out there. And this is effectively now just more or less the same stuff, but with a little bit more bigger twists on it. Um, going in the direction of as a service, right? So you have the data. What do you do with the data? You know, can you help the clients come come out? You know, in a, in a, in a better future for them. Um, and and this then leads into commercialization and monetization of the next generation of service elements that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a great point. Um, and and to your point, I mean, you know. Uh, customers don't want data itself. They want insights, right? So, so that's where it becomes a service. I mean, it's, it's really kind of taking the onus of, of collecting that data and, and analyzing it in a way that, that is providing value in terms of, of insights. Absolutely to the correct. So, I mean, interested. if you think about it, you know, I mean, um, the data is in, in, I don't know. I mean, you can, you have data centers effectively storing all the data, but what comes out of it is the reports which enable people to make, uh, you know, precious decisions, uh, which are either going to be making or breaking the organizations or the companies or so. Um, and and effectively, all this, all this reporting, all this uh, analytics that you can do out there and then give um, a summarized view um, how to make uh, things better, uh, whether it be business related, whether it be uh, uh, related to the society, and and, and 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 you can go into many multitude of things, um, and and that is basically what it uh, boils down to: is how do you use this data, um, and the fact that you can get the reporting out of it, so that you can do something with it. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit more because I think that that conceptually, I think a lot of companies understand that data is a huge value proposition potential. But I think when it comes from taking that conceptual understanding and turning it into action is where the struggle lies. So what is your advice around analytics? What is your advice for taking a wealth of data and turning it into insight that could be a potential revenue stream for your business? Yeah. I mean, a couple of examples uh, that we use, and, and this is something um, you know we discussed at the uh, at the uh, field services meeting, uh, which we had, um, let's let's take uh, let's take a company which may be making water pumps. Yeah, I mean, it sounds completely crazy, but you have water pumps in the basements of uh, 
of the of the hospitals of uh, you know hotels of of anything right then you are going into the uh, into the cities you know where they have distribution uh, centers for for water uh, and they have water pumps and somewhere up the food chain you know the water pumps are pulling the the, the, the water from the river or from any other source that's out there so now if you look into this in a holistic view right you have you you are collecting data from from the different sources um, and then what you're able to do is to make informed and better decisions if you're able to consolidate all these informations and if you now look only to say okay I'm going to optimize my my pump in my in my uh, uh, in my hotel or so you know that's not enough so I'm taking this one step further and discussing uh, concept of connected services how do you connect the points all the way end to end um, you know in terms of uh, how this water flow is coming and of course you know if you want to take it one step further um, how do you take the water out of the of, you know after it's been used and, and, and recycle it or or uh, bring it to uh, you know in a responsible manner uh, to where it needs to go so coming back to the point once you start discussing what these connected services you start thinking about smart cities right and and you know this is only one tiny part of um, the concept behind the smart cities. Another example would be, you know, we discussed, um, look at the life of an automobile, right? I mean, everybody says, okay, nice, nice way you can, you can look at the life of the automobile. But if you now start connecting the dots, it goes into how you purchase the automobile, right? Um, and, and automated contracts, you need an insurance, you know, and you can link those into the, into this life cycle. Um, once you have that, you need to think about registration uh, of the vehicle as well. That can be done into a, in a smart, in a, in, a, in a quick manner, in a direct manner. Um, if you take it one step further, um, you get into the area of uh, um, paying the tolls on the, on, the, uh, on the autobahns or on the highways or anywhere. Um, if you are getting speeding tickets. And here you can bring in a second stream about how people can acquire their driver licenses as an example. Right? So if you draw a line from left to right, you're able to, in, you know, in essence, uh, draw all these these elements to this line and bring this uh, from an end-to-end -end view about what happens over the life of an automobile, right? And then going into if you need to have an accident, if you have an accident, you know, how can you report it in an automated manner? Or if you are, um, you know, ready to dispose the vehicle, um, you know, link all that stuff in there so the, you know, the vehicle can be recycled or so. So there's all these different elements that go into into the chain. So one of the things that I discuss about, you know, in this concept about, about connected services uh, is, you know, people need to stop thinking about looking at things in an individual sense and look into how they're connected end to end, point number one. The second thing they need to look into um, is how to build an ecosystem. So quite a lot of times, you know, if, if you're a service provider, you may have one view into the element and say, okay, how do I... You know, write tickets or how to you know so issue tickets on my on my uh, on my service uh, opportunities or so, or we have a way how to dispatch the engineers in the best and most efficient manner, or I have a view how to do something else. So <clears throat> you have all these little tiny platforms, um, but these are standalone platforms. And going forward, if you're going to look into you know where the market's going to be in five years, ten years for the providers, for the users, and so forth. Um, I believe the platforms that are going to be creating an ecosystem that are connected and providing therefore the connected services, this is where the revenues are going to be. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And and that's, that's a great example. Um, I, I think it's just, you know, some companies struggle more than others to, to kind of put this into, into action, but, yeah. um, talking about it and, and providing those, those insights helps. So on the panel that we did together at field service Europe, the topic was about machine learning and artificial intelligence and, and how that factors into the world of service today. So talk to us a little bit about how AI and machine learning factor into this ecosystem and and need to factor into a company's strategy. Yeah. I think I think AI is is you know it's a very I would say it's a it's a it's a good buzzword but at the same time it can deliver a lot. And it depends on where people are in their digital journey. Uh, I mean, it's the, the the digital journey is here. Yeah, it's it's either you are at the beginning of it or you're somewhere in the middle or you're you know a little bit more advanced in this. Um, so the idea behind all of this is very simple. It says you have a lot of data. You need to be able to figure out, you know, um, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to generate the necessary reports in order for you to make the things in a little bit better way? Um, and 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 here, you know, the different BI tools, the business intelligence tools, start taking an effect. And there's multiple of them in the market. Um, from here on out, you need to start looking into predictive. You need to start looking into how um, the organizations and the companies can use um, this in a in a much more faster way, in, in in a much more way where where people are understanding, you know, where the decisions need to be made. Um, there's a lot of discussion in the market, in my opinion, also about, you know, is AI, for example, dangerous, uh, artificial intelligence, you know, um, is it something that's going to be, you know, robbing the humankind of, of where it needs to be, right? I think if you have um, AI utilization, you know, one of the examples that I, that I heard uh, recently, um, to, to put this into perspective, um, let's say you go into into your your phone and you're using uh, Gmail or so, right? The first time you type in, I'm writing a letter to you know my brother, my sister, my my mother or so. Um, the second email that you write again to the same same set of people. The third time you're doing it, you know the machine has learned it already, and it's, what it's doing is it's saying as soon as you type in your brothers, it automatically gives you the suggestion. Shall I add the other two people? Because, you know, you, you do this thing repeatedly, right? Um, so now stepping back in it, um, you have other places where machine learning becomes, uh, excuse me, where AI becomes perhaps, um, you know, giving you suggestions to say, look, you purchased something like this and this based on your, your track record. Can we suggest you to do something over here? So in all of these cases here, the decision the final decision is still within um, the realms of, of the person, right? They, they can make a decision. They can say, no, I don't want to do this, or yes, let's go for it and, and, and try this out. Um, if you now look into the next elements, which where decisions might be, uh, and, and, you know, I was at a conference and we talked about uh, um, the decisions for, for example, mortgage for lending money, right, where a lot of data is involved. Even at this element, still, you need to have a person or a human being making the final decision, say, yes, let's go for it or not go for it, right? Because to a certain degree, um, where the decision capability has a significant impact, there, I think the machines need to use the AI to, to bring forward the uh, information and say, okay, this would be the guidance or recommendation. 
but the final decision shall still be should be within within the people. I think if if you're doing that, um, it will be standard, straightforward, and I think uh, there will be good coexistence. You know, um, once you start making you know, the decisions with uh, directly with the, with the with the machines and so forth, I think that's where it kind of gets touchy. And fundamental reason for that, I believe, um, is because we as human beings. Um, of course, tend to make decisions emotionally and then logically try to kind of go back in and say, okay, that's how you justify the decision that I have made. Whereas when mm-hmm. we start using completely machines, um, you know, there is no emotion involved. It's yes, no, or up, down based on the algorithm that's written and the decision will be as good as the algorithm or what the machine has learned, right? So I, th- I think it's, it's, I would say the jury is still out. Um, I have my personal beliefs, you know, others will have their personal beliefs, but I mean, it's at least a good conversation piece today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm curious to talk a little bit about what else is involved in the commercialization of digital services. Um, and and two areas specifically that come to mind for me are sort of, you know, the culture shift that exists within a company that's sort of migrating to this world. And then also, you know, equipping your your marketing and sales functions to be able to to think differently and sell differently. Um, so I don't know if those either of those points are something you're interested in in speaking to at all. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's it's good. I mean, w- one of the things that um, and, and here's you know the topic that I covered. I think it was about a year and a half ago. We started talking about you know taking a product led organization and converting it into a service led organization mindset and stuff. And we discussed the concept of digital dinosaurs versus digital natives, right? And now you're bringing this to the next level. I think there's a wealth of information which exists in the existing organizations and the companies and so forth. So you cannot just say, okay, I'm just going to stop that, right? It it, it doesn't work. Um, All companies, which at least I have dealt with and I've spoken to and stuff, need to find a healthy balance between the digital natives and the so-called digital dinosaurs because the digital dinosaurs, um, even though you may classify as that, are the ones who put the company to where it is, right? Now it's the question is, you know, what is it that you need in order to bring you to the next level? And when we start discussing what the next levels, this is exactly where you need to say, okay, you know, I, I've seen companies where where they've done to say, okay, we have 200 people, they're creating the next generation digital services. Um, they're only going to be making sure that this can be commercialized. So we take 50% from the people who are the best know-how and, and the knowledge base, and we take the 50% um, new ones coming from the industry, coming from the universities, coming from you know other aspects of the field, put them together, and that would be the blend. I found that this 50-50 seems to work uh, relatively well, um, but of course there will be other other things you know that will be coming up. But if you want to set up an organization, you want to set up this thing, you need to find a balance uh, between you know the new and 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 the old, uh, put it together, you know, mix it, and 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 really. Let it be its own structure. Let it be its own organization. You know, don't come back and say, okay, I reduced 10% here so I can invest 10% in another department. And I think those kind of, you know, areas where I see things failing because what ends up happening is people simply just, yeah, let's say, um, you know, you find that 10% every time, right? But it's not really there. So you, you don't really make it happen. Set it up as a separate unit. Uh, do a mix between your your uh, you know high performers from the old side, bring in new fresh um, ideas, thinkings with new people, uh, put that together and let it run. I think that would be the 
the the recommendation, at least from my side, regarding the one of the success criteria that I have seen. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. Um, what's your take, Rajat, on on what we'll see next? I mean, what do do listeners, what do service organizations need to be thinking about and preparing for over the next eighteen months to to three years? I think I think one of the things as I as I already guided, you know. Think about ecosystems. Don't think about a standalone programs. Um, think about connecting the different elements of this of, of services, right? Think outside of the box in order to kind of put this stuff together and make sure that uh, that you're not afraid of the change. I mean, still a lot of companies or organizations, you know, they think in an archaic manner. They're afraid and, and what will be around the corner and stuff. You know, don't be. We are already in this digital journey. I mean, it's 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 here and it will happen. Uh, embrace it and and go for it and and think outside of the box. Think about how you can create next generation of uh, services with the data you have, with the, with the um, you know the services that you can offer to improve the life of not only your employees but your customers, as well as you know have the social responsibility for the environment. Um, and that's really what it's all about. And that's yeah, that's what my 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 final words would be on this. Yeah, yeah, your your premonition. Well, that's wonderful, Rajat and. I really appreciate you joining us and and sharing your experiences and your knowledge. Um, I look forward to following your success in in your new role at IBM. And and thank you again for being here today. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And thanks to both of you for putting the stuff together. Wish you guys a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Uh, For more insights on the digital journey, be sure to check out our content at Future of Field Service. That's www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter at The Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management at www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.